0: We are going into a new series today. We're starting into our summer series, and um, I'm excited about it. Uh, this is, uh, we're gonna be looking at one of, um, really one of the favorite stories that Jesus told. And it's a favorite because it really does talk about um, God's love for us and how willing he is to, not just to kind of let us back in, um, but man, how he just overloads us with his grace as we come back to him. Amen, And that's something I know that all of us, if you've, if you've experienced that grace of God uh, that comes through Jesus Christ, um, that is something that completely transforms your life. Um, I know that for my own story, uh, I've told you guys many times, it was, I felt that way from God and I felt like, man, it took me a while to get here, so it's going to take a while to get back. And I turned around and felt like I bumped right into him, because he had been with me the whole time. And to know that that grace of God uh, is transforming. Amen? Amen. Have you ever thought about how deeply we despise? I mean, down to that kind of visceral level where it just it stirs you in your gut, how much we hate injustice. You go, well, I don't know that I hated that much. No, we do. How much we hate when the bad guy gets away with the bad things that they do, right? We hate it. We hate it. We hate it. Have you ever watched a movie that had this ending where the bad guy gets away and you just felt sick when you came out because of how it left the story? Or have you ever watched the news and you see this story about some, like some... um, criminal or some sociopath who kind of gets off with an easy sentence. I mean, even with an immunity bargain because they testify against somebody else or something like that. And you just, it so unsettles you that you just can't even sleep that night. I mean, we, we hate it. Human beings are not wired to deal with injustice. Well, we, we just, it doesn't sit right with us to the point that when we are the ones who are causing it, we have to rewrite the story, don't we? We have to retell the story so we don't look so bad, so we can even live with ourselves because it doesn't sit well with us, any of us. History books are filled with stories that have been respun, aren't they? So that the victors can live with themselves more comfortably and live with the violence that they've caused and the things that they've done. And then we look at religion and we say, you know, Religion then has to be one of two things. Either, either religion is this way of us psychologically dealing with the fact that bad guys get away with bad stuff all the time because they do. And so we kind of tag on this last chapter of the story. We make up some power in the universe that's gonna bring everything and make it right and justice is gonna be served at the end of this big story. Or, or actually there is a God And the reality of the universe is that it's been created by a God who cannot stand for injustice to just be hanging out there. And in fact, that's why we who have been made in the image of God have such a hard time dealing with it if we really face it. Because we've been created in the image of a God who cannot let sin win, can't let injustice stand. You know, God God is not letting sin have a final say. And God is not letting sin kind of rule the day. That's not what he's about. In fact, the next several weeks, we'll be looking at the story that shows us how God never lets sin win. But he doesn't go about it the way, we, the way that we think he will or the way that we might handle it or the way that we sometimes hope he will, especially when it has to do with others, right? In fact, there is a... There is a um, there's a character at the end of this story, the older brother who comes and he starts complaining about how unfair the father's ways of going at this thing have actually been, how unfair it seems. But the truth is, is that if we see God's dealings, our idea of fairness, our idea of how things should be and God's idea of how, what it takes to actually triumph over sin and not let sin win at any level, They seem to be, at times, they seem to be fairly far apart. But this is a story about how we, who belong to God, not only do we watch this story unfold, not only have we seen this story unfold in our own lives, but we who have become part of God's household, how do we also participate in this work that God is doing to make sure that sin doesn't win, that injustice doesn't rule the day, not just in our own lives, not just seeing sin doesn't triumph in our lives, but seeing that sin doesn't triumph in the lives of those around us as as well. So let's stand together. We're gonna look at the first part of this story, the first several verses. This is the, the story of the prodigal son. It's found in Luke 15, and this is verses 11 through 16. Jesus said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me So he divided his wealth between his two sons. Not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with unrestrained living. Now, after he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating and no one was giving him anything. You know, I've been studying and teaching on this story for literally for decades and really digging into it. And I found that the more that you know about the details of the story, the more that this story, you find that this story is hardly about fairness in the way that we think about it. In fact, it seems that fair isn't what God has in mind for us ever. Because it seems that where there's injustice and where you set out like God does to save the day and to save the world and to save those who are affected by this sin and injustice that just pervades everything, it seems that somebody very unfairly has to regularly pay a pretty big price. In fact, if you think about it, that's, that's why we're here. Because we believe that, Jesus came and he paid a really big price because of the, the sin and the injustice and the brokenness of this world. Today's message is titled On the House. Because this is about it's on God's house. Amen. Father, we want to pray that you would open our hearts and our ears and our minds and our our lives that we would lay down our defenses against you and against you speaking your word, against your spirit as he wants to speak to us today. God, we wanna make ourselves available to you that we might hear your word. Father, we're gonna trust that you're gonna filter it. God, I'm going to trust that these aren't just my best thoughts about you, but that somehow you're going to communicate either through me or in spite of me, you're going to communicate the things that your people need to hear this morning from your word and from this story. So Holy Spirit, I lay myself low so that Jesus alone will be lifted up. It's only him. So come and fill this place in his name. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Can you think of a time when you paid a price for someone else's poor decision. <laughs> when, I was, when I was eight years old, my, my sisters, they had this bunk bed that they shared and they had this metal ladder that was attached you know, to the top, so the top bunk, you could climb up it. But we used to take that ladder off, we'd detach it, and we, we'd pretend we were in the circuits and we'd try and climb as high as we could on the ladder without anybody holding it up. Um, that was a bad decision. Uh, Regularly, we seem to get away with it for a while. But uh, one day I was in my room and I'm minding my own business, right? I'm not playing with the ladder. I'm not doing anything stupid. I'm playing with Legos. I'm just building something. And my sister calls out from the hallway outside my room. She says, Van, look. And so I stick my head out the door. And just as I do, I see her bailing on her attempt to climb this ladder, right? But as she jumps off it, she pushes it. And it goes into my head. (laughs) So her bad decision... But I was paying the price, right? Because then I had to walk around from then, you know, after that day, I had this big, like this bald patch where they had to shave, you know, to get the stitches in. And had all these gnarly, nasty black stitches hanging out. So I, I had to look weird for several weeks because of my sister's poor decision. And and honestly, that's an easy one, right? That's getting off easy. But we regularly pay for other people's bad decisions. Sometimes we pay, we pay higher prices, literally, at the store because people decide to shoplift. We pay regularly higher premiums on insurance because people decide to commit fraud. We pay for the greed and ambition of big corporations as they sometimes decide they're going to bypass regulations and they end up poisoning the water that we drink or the air that we breathe. We pay when superpowers decide to impose their will or decide to work out their differences by means of war, sometimes we pay with our lives or with the lives of those that we love. We pay with injustice when people decide to make bad decisions and those decisions have impact on our lives. All of us carry the scars and carry the wounds of betrayal by those we thought were our friends carry the rejection of those that we love, carry the misunderstandings that we, have, that we have gone through and also the poor intentions at times of people intending to do sometimes even the right thing, sometimes the wrong thing and it coming out wrong. So whether small or large, whether you end up with stitches or whether you end up with a war that just devastates or whether you just end up with generation after generation after generation of injustices we all carry the scars and we pay. We pay for others' poor decisions. And we carry thoughts about these things in our head, right? I mean, sometimes, depending on how much you have, you have paid, we carry this and they're constantly filling our minds. The question that, one of the questions that comes up in the story of the prodigal son is, We think about that regularly, and that is part of the story we're gonna see. But do we also, do we ever think about what our bad decisions cost God? We think about that. In this story of the prodigal son, Jesus tells the story about this man. He has these two sons, and, and we read it, and we think, you know, this younger son, he seems to be making a reasonable request to the father, right? He comes up and he says, Dad, I'd like to have my share of the inheritance. And it makes even more sense when you think about it, in the custom of that day, he knew he wasn't going to inherit the farm, right? That was gonna go to the older brother. So he, he might as well get you know his chunk of the pie and go off and try and make something for himself. But in reality, in that day, what the son said and what he did was, was just appalling, was shocking to the people there because really, essentially, what the words that he spoke, they, they really meant something more like this. Father, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead because that's the only way that I'm ever gonna get this inheritance. So I wish you were dead right now. And I feel like I have the right and I've earned the right to demand this kind of thing from you right now because of all that I've done. Um, Because I have a better plan. I have a better plan than yours. I have a better idea of how to make money and how to really make a better life for myself. And so I wanna take this money, I wanna go a distance away, not just a, I don't wanna just go far from you in distance in terms of geography. I wanna go, I'm going to move far from you in terms of how I live my life, in terms of my concept of what I'm even trying to do, because I am certain that I'm going to do better than what I see going on here. That's what he's saying. And so in that, this son, here's this son, I mean, he's arrogant. He is, he is insolent to his father. And we're gonna find out also that he's also very ignorant. Because I don't, he, he ends up showing, up showing off that, that he, he doesn't know what he's doing. But what about the father? You know, a father in that day, this father, he had the right, he could have put the son to death for saying something like that. And nobody would have asked him any questions about it. At the very least, he could have have sent this, he could have stripped the son of all his rights, he could have kicked him out, he could have have sent him out and sent him packing with nothing, disinherited him, disowned him, and sent the son to find out. And again, nobody would have questioned, but the question that the people that were hearing this story, they would have said, well, why didn't he? Why didn't he do that? Well, it's because this is a story about, he's, this isn't just any father that this story is about. This is a story about God, who Jesus is trying to show this is our Heavenly Father, and He's really different. He goes at things very differently than we might go at them. He goes at them very differently than we might expect Him to. But a question this should raise in our minds is this How many times do we act this way? or say these kind of things to God? How many times do we turn to God and we say, you know what, I'm gonna take those resources that you've made available to you because I believe I have a better plan. I have a better plan for how I can live my life and spend my time to make things better for myself and make, really make it more wealthy, make it more abundant, make it more palatable to me. And we believe that by right, these resources should fall to us. These things, how many times do we act as if, you know, we do these things and we say these things to God, we act as if we're gonna run off and we we speak very, very insolently to God. We just turn our backs. We even sometimes, we essentially curse him on the way out the door. And we do this in spite of the fact that we and everybody around us knows that God has the power that he could just, and he has the right, he could just put us to death right there. He could just end our lives. That could be the end of our story right then and right there. And nobody would ask any questions about it, but he doesn't. And again, we say, why? 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 Why doesn't he act like someone would act here? Because he's up to something. He's up to something. He's up to something in our lives, and we want to find out what that is. That's what this story is about. Another thing that we don't always understand when we read this story, and we're going to be just kind of we're going to work through this introduction this morning because there's so much here. But the, one of the things that we don't understand was we don't really understand. What the son was asking for when he says, Father, give me the portion of the inheritance. And we don't understand how that was actually going to impact this household. We don't think about that. And we don't think about that in our lives either. But in this day, the inheritance between two sons, it went to have been split 50 50. The older son always got a double portion. So the older son was going to get two thirds of the inheritance. The younger son was going to get a third of the wealth, of the kind of the value of the household. A third. So he was coming and asking his father for a third. I don't care how big of an operation you are running, but a third of the value of the household, that was gonna make a dent. That was gonna hurt some people. That was gonna cause some problems. This household, it had a family. We're gonna find out it had servants, but it also had those who were hired to do work for them. These were not servants. These were were individuals who were, who were they may have had their own kind of independence and freedom, but they chose to serve this. So lots of times you would have like a whole village of people that were really there. Their whole livelihood was based on the success and the financial kind of stability of this larger household that supported them. And so you had these hired families that were a part of this. So here this, this son is asking to take a third of all of that, of that wealth. So that didn't just affect his father or his brother. That impacted all the servants that were part of the household It impacted also all of those who had connected and who were dependent on this house and this farm and this, this whole operation doing well. You know, one of the, the reasons later on in the story, we're going and if you guys know the story, you know that the father runs to meet the son at the end. And one of the reasons he has to run to meet the son is because in that day, um, those, those townspeople and those servants of the house, all the members of the household, they by right, and in fact, they had a whole rituals that was set up to do this. They could run out and meet the son on the father's behalf in his name and tell him because of what he had done to the household, he had no business coming home and he had no right to be there and send him back again. So the father, if he was gonna welcome the son back in, he had to run to meet the son so that he would beat All these people with issues, he could beat them too. Do you guys realize that when God comes to us, he runs so that he can outpace those who would have accusations against us, and rightfully so, because of the damage that we have done in the lives of others? Do you realize (laughs) There's there's this other character in this story, the older son, Who's sitting out there? Do you realize that Jesus is the one that showed us as the older son who actually came in the name of the Father? And Jesus' life was that picture of the Father running to us to make sure that we were not accused and condemned, but rather that we were welcomed back into the life that God had intended for us. But then also, do we, as we think about this, do we? Do we think about, do we consider the price? Do we really ever look at the price that our sin costs other people? Do we see the price that they have to pay when we do stuff like that? We insult God when we do stuff like this. We injure others. We hurt them even when we try and convince ourselves that nobody got hurt in the deal, right? And we regularly use that line, don't we? Well, you know, this only will hurt me. No, this story, <laughs> it makes really clear any time that we decide to step out from God's house, any time that we try to move out from under his governance, any time that we try to move out from under his ways and his purposes, we try to take his resources and leverage them for our good. Anytime we do that outside of his will and his ways, we damage. We damage the lives of others. We put others at risk. Do we own that? Do we, do we believe that? Do we know that? Of course not. I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't live with ourselves if we did that. Again, we have to re-spin the story. We have to say, oh no, God's on, God was with me on that one. But then what we do with it is we go out and just like the sun, we take all this stuff that we've taken, all these resources, all this stuff, and we squander it, right? We just spoil it. Now, this word that's translated squander here, right? The word is actually a word that means scatter. It's like scattering seed. Because on the one hand, it could mean that you scattered seed. When we scatter seed, we expect to take a certain amount of seed and you plant it and as a result of scattering it, it comes up in a crop and you get more seed than what you had before. But there's a way of scattering badly. And if, that, if you do that, then it just kind of wastes everything. And this word had that in it as well. So in this case, the son goes out and he scattered the wealth that he had. All of this wealth, a third of the wealth of the household. But he scattered it in all the wrong ways, in all the wrong places. And so when this famine hits, right, and tests, I mean, all along comes this test to see how well he's done in preparing for the future and setting up a place that's of safety for himself and safety for those who depend on him. He sets up this thing. And you know, what he finds when this test comes is it hasn't done very well because he has, no, he has nothing in reserve. Right? He has no farm that's producing anything. He hadn't, even, he hadn't even made friends who are good enough friends with all of that resource. He hadn't made, built enough relationship with anyone that they would take him in in this hard time. But instead in this time, what we see is that he had tried to go out and he said, Father, I have a better plan than yours. We find out that his plan wasn't very good. He had failed. He had failed on every level with this idea because he had nothing to show. He had squandered everything. So, by the end of this short section, what we see is so here's a son, and he started out. He started out in this healthy home where he was loved and he was, he was a son, a beloved son. And he started out so loved in, in, in such an environment that even when he demanded something, as, as just absurd as a third of the wealth of the household. Because of the grace, and there was no, it was just, it was because he had asked, he was given it. And by the end of the story, where he ends up is he, here's his son, but he's not a son, he's not anybody's son. In fact, he's known by nobody. And he's impoverished, and he needs even the basic needs of life. And and it says that he's living among people. He's 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 wanting he's feeding their pigs, and he's wanting to just eat the food that the pigs ate. And if you understand, if you understand the language there, what it's saying is, you know what? They were not letting him even eat their food. The pigs were more valuable to these people than he was. So, if you look at where he came from and where he was now. This is the result of his plan. And to the Jewish people that were hearing this story, they're going, oh, that's bad. I mean, you talk about the lowest of low when you're not even considered as valuable as the most despicable, unclean animal they could think of, the pig. Says, this guy's fallen. You know, it's interesting to watch, you know, even over the course of my lifetime, to watch how people have tried so hard to get God out of the picture, to get God off our backs, to try and get out from under this oppressive house that we live in, that God has made. With all his rules and all the ways that he tries to keep us from having such a good time. He tried to just how they tried to take all the things all the things that, that he has given us, all of those resources. We try, we've seen people try to live a life without God. And what we've ended up with is we're in a state now where we just, we try and, people are struggling to find any reason, any reason for any, that anyone has any real value in this world. They're trying to figure out what gives us any basis for considering anyone. I mean, we'll use the words like value and meaning and purpose, and we'll use them, but they, they end up coming off really, they're dried up, they're empty. They're like those dried up pods that those pigs were wanting to eat. Even if we were able to consume those words, and when we do, we try and just eat those words and they're, just, they're empty. They leave us empty because they have no content to them anymore. Because outside of the house, that's sort of God's house that gave meaning to, to life and to any of those words. they're just empty shells and we find ourselves starving. We find that we're a long way from home and our world is a long way from what God intended it to be. And our lives are a long way and we have squandered everything that we took from this house that we thought would make life good, Right? So in a few short verses, we not only see the fall of the sun, we see, oh well, yeah, that's us, right? There we are. There we are. There's, there's our issue. So what do, we, what do we do with that? What do we do with that part of the story? Well, first, first, I wanna encourage you guys something with something because we're gonna be going through this story for the next several days or next several weeks. And, and because of that, um, you know, this is God's story that he unfolds the solution to this problem. So if you're wondering what the solution to this problem is, you're going to hear more about that in the coming weeks. So I would encourage you to either be here or to tune in because we're going to be unpacking this story. And God gives a much better, much fuller description of what the solution of this is than I'm going to give in the next two seconds, right? So... Start reading the story, get into Luke 15, start getting familiar with it, live in it, let God speak to you in it, get familiar with this because we're gonna be seeing what God has to say in it. But then come back in the coming weeks because this will be building. But immediately, if you are one of God's children that have wandered off from the house, right? And that is, it's all of us, isn't it? I mean, some of us would like to think that we're the older son who stayed next to God, you know, through thick and thin, and we went through, you know, this evil younger son ran off. And, but, you know, that older son, the only reason he's introduced, he's introduced as just an example of somebody, even though they're in the house, they're far from the house. And we're going to find that out, too. Do you guys know that the only true son that stayed with God through thick and thin, there's only one. Jesus was the only son that stayed with God and stayed loyal to his, his purposes and his ways. There's only one. The rest of us are all that young one that went running off from the house. We're all that son that went and wasted everything that God gave to us. We have all done that. And so the first, if, if, if you are that arrogant, we hate this, we don't like saying this about it, arrogant, insolent, ignorant, squanderer of all God's possessions, If you're that, then turn around and start making your way back to the Father because that is what this story is about. Turn around. Admit to God that you spent most of your life insulting him and injuring other people because you have. Admit to God that you have spent most of your life trying to prove that you could do better than he and that you failed at it. Admit to God that he, even though he's had every right to strike you dead, right? We we talk about people, oh, you're gonna get struck by lightning. God has every right, (laughs) right? I mean, there's so many times per day that he could strike me dead because of what I've done or what I've thought or what I've said, but he doesn't. And why? We need to know this. And this is why we turn around, because his desire is to find you. His desire is to rescue and restore you. His desire is not for you to get what is fair or what you deserve, any one of us to get what is fair are what we deserve. His desire is instead that you might lay hold of the life that he intended from you from before the foundations of the world, which is so much beyond what anything you could ever think to ask for in fairness. He is willing to pay whatever the price is necessary to make that happen, even if it means that he will put his very house at risk. Do we get that? Why was Satan allowed to fall and according to some, allowed to take a third of the angels with him? Why was Adam allowed to fall, keep his life, and yet seem to take creation down with him? Why do we at times fall and seem to be allowed to take so many people with us, why does it seem that God just lets the hit, the cost, the payment for that, just stand as on the house, paid for by him, absorbed by him and his people and those who don't seem to have any, why? Why does he allow? that to happen because his desire is not to make us pay, is not to make things fair. It is to rescue and to restore as many as possible. So if that's you, start making your way back home because he is waiting for you to return. But then this, if you are a part of the household of God, if you've already made your way back home, if you're now in this, we need to remember this, right? We need to remember some things about this household. In this house, people are the value. It's not the stuff. It's not the little trivialities of this world and the things that we think will get us ahead in this life. It's not about that. It's not about wealth. It's not about the resource. Do you see how easily the father lets go of a? Th- of the wealth of the household because it keeps open the opportunity that this one, this one insolent, arrogant, ignorant son might find his way home. And it keeps the door open. And he does that for every single one of us. And we need to remember that this is the God who did that for us. This is the God that does this for others. People are the point Relationships are everything in this house. Our Father, he may be good at building wealth and building building abundance within his house, but is only is not for the sake of boasting, it's for the sake of those, those people who are within that house, those people he loves. It's for the sake of blessing the lives of those who live in his house. So in this house, we value people. We value people and we look to God to see how much do we value people? How much do we invest in relationships? Look to the Father. Second, in this house, slights around these things, this material stuff that has no value to him, it's not worth holding on to. Do you see how this Father, he doesn't, he doesn't hold a grudge, he doesn't... Uh, raise an issue about these things that ultimately don't matter to him. These things in, in the word that's used, it actually talks about these things as kind of being, they're called his life, his, like the lifeblood. We talk about like the lifeblood of an organization, a lifeblood of this household. And people, we, we tend to think of The material stuff the resources as that lifeblood but he knows that these have no value compared to the eternal value of the people that he is trying to reach that he is trying to their lives are at stake and he's trying to rescue and restore them so we have to remember in this house we're called to let grievances go we're, we're called to let those offenses that we tend to hold to go. We, we need to let go of that desire that we have for vengeance on those people where God doesn't seem to be calling for vengeance. I mean, we say, you know, God, if he wants to take vengeance, he'll take it. But if he's not leading it, if the father's not going for it, why would we? Forgiveness is... is Is huge. Scripture scripture says, you know what? We need to learn how to forgive one another as God has forgiven us. Do we remember how much God has forgiven us? This house is a house of forgiveness. It is a house of letting go. That's what we do in this house. And and the third one, in this house, we need to remember there's a willingness from the top down (laughs) to take the hit. To take the hit for the sin and the failures and the rebellions of others. From the top down. If we didn't see the father doing it, we wouldn't understand that we're all called to it. And you know what? In the reality of it, in that kind of a house, God's the only one that hits, takes the hit. Jesus is really the only, you, you trace this back. Jesus is the only one that has really taken a hit. A big one a kind we could have never recovered from. He took it. And he took it not not just for himself. He took it for us so that we wouldn't have to take that hit. But in this house, no matter how impersonal, how unfair things seem to get, in this house, the hit is always on the house. Right? It's nothing that we... says in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, you know what? Love is patient, love is kind, love, is, love does not hold, take account of his wrong suffered because in this house, in this house, we have decided we're going to join the father in his plan for how he is going to redeem and to restore and to rescue his prodigal sons and daughters. Amen? Amen. Is there some practical stuff in here? Yeah, I think there is. (laughs) Right? I think, you know, be reading this story for one, but you guys all of us have people that we're holding grudges against. Right? We all have people that we can forgive. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you're suddenly buddies with them. You know, everybody who you forgive isn't immediately, you know, a new person that doesn't mean that you put yourself in a place that you continue to be brutalized by them or you continue to be, um, you know, that you just stand by them. That's that's not about that. This is about though that you have to, if you're going to join the father, you, you, you let them go. You let their sins go. You let the grudges go. You let the offenses go. You forgive them. You let it go. Because otherwise you can't join the father in what he's doing. So let it go. And the third one is, you know, invest. Invest in relationships, you guys. You know, I I said at the annual meeting, and I'm gonna throw that out here too. You guys, we wanna spend the summer getting connected better to each other. So find some people you don't know. Invite them over for a barbecue, meet in the park. I don't care what you do. Go play Frisbee, go bowling. I don't care, but do something to get connected with each other because in this house, that matters. In this house, that's all that matters. It's about the relationships with the people that God has brought together in this place and in this family. That's where the value is. Amen? Amen.